Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Papa top again. I've just got time for one more round. Set them up, my friend. Then I'll be gone. And All right, welcome back to episode 25 of Two Drunk Brothers in a Podcast. Got a very exciting one for you guys this week. Going to be talking about some UFC as well as a topic one of our followers suggested. Um, but another exciting thing is we um, found, we both have, not found, but we both went out and bought the new Natural Light Natter Days. Natter Days. It is uh, for those who like strawberry lemonade and drinking beer. We have not tried this yet. Yeah, this is going to be try a this reveal Because it's springtime coming up. We want to get in the mood, you know, day drinking, Natter Days. Saturdays turn into Natterdays, um, and it's a movement, so it's a way. And they are the same price as Nat as the original Natty Light, so let's crack these bad boys open. We're going to taste it. smells phenomenal. It does smell pretty good. And uh, give you our opinion rating on them. So this is the first time trying it. I bought 18-pack when I got home from work, and it's been five hours, and I've been dying to try it. So here we go. Here we go. Cheers. That's fucking good. That's pretty damn good. It's very good. Doesn't it, taste like beer? It's a little. I'll see, I was expecting like a Mike's Hard. No, it doesn't taste, uh, doesn't taste that at all. It's, a, it's beerier. Yeah, it's still four point two percent alcohol by volume too. So it is obviously sweet. Like it, it's got a sweet taste like a Mike's would. But it's but not like something that we're like. Or I, I can't drink like a six pack of them. I could probably, yeah, I, could, a lot of I could probably pound out a six pack or 12 pack. Yeah, like you said, it's not like, it's not like super oversweet. It's it not oversweet. Good. It does have 12 carbs. So, does it really? Yeah. Oh, but yeah. it's good. I give it a solid uh, summer beer average of a, a good eight, a good 8.1. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Like you know, it's it was a, it would be a great beer to like drink at the lake or on the river. Um, so when you've been drinking all day, and, or not even that, just like you know, beer after the beer. first, so the first drink is very strawberry lemonade. The second drink it dies down is more beer. Yeah, I'm noticing that too, but I still taste strawberry lemonade. That was my third. Oh, yeah, you're gonna taste it, but I'm saying the very first taste is very sweet, but then after that, it's pretty good. So well, I like it. You guys will check it out. I like it too. I'm a fan. I probably will be buying. I probably will be buying some more over the summer. They say it's a limited edition. I'm hoping they keep it out all. I don't know why they would come out with it in the winter, spring. I think they wanted to. I don't think they expected the big hype train, but they got Pat McAfee on board plugging it. They they're gonna have a fucking NASCAR sponsorship. Like they're gonna have a pink NASCAR car with yeah. I saw that. The dirt the dirt cheap down the road from my house is doing a taste they have like a tasting event 
um, on the second. So I believe this next week, and it's this is what they're giving a taste test of. Dude, this is like the branding is awesome. The pink can is cool. It pops out of you with the yellow bottom. They have the flamingos all over it. I mean, it just makes you think like sitting on the beach or sitting on a river drinking a beer. Yeah, when I first saw it, I didn't. I just thought like, oh, they just rebranded their cans to make them look springy. But when I found out it was strawberry beer, I had to buy it. So I mean, pretty people good. can people can talk shit all they want. To actually, like it. So um, I had an IPA open and half drink just in case, but I think I'm gonna go ahead and like this. But anyway, definitely check out the Natural Light Matter Days. They are they are a way of their movement. So we're gonna dive right into our show. Briefly recap. Our gambling records, this is the last time we talked, talk about Tuesday parlays, and I'm going to go ahead and let Travis take that over since he is the person that generally keeps track of that. So take it away, Trav. Yeah, so the gambling um, <clears throat> has been subpar this year, and that's mainly on us, mainly on the shitty selection of sports we've had. Uh, total, we are 44, 47, and 1. So Yikes. Three games under 500, losing you just a little bit of money. But, you know, if you double down on those duplicate picks, like we said, probably breaking even, which obviously breaking even and betting isn't winning. But it's not Jared is 20 either. and 21. I am 24, 26, and 1. Um, just to uh, – I just want to kind of talk about the bullshit and what is college basketball lately. Dude, I'm telling you, man, like every time you make me pick these these games, by the way, like Travis will reach out to me like, hey, throw me – like I, I know like every Tuesday we're gonna do the Tuesday parlay and I usually have four that I that I ready to roll. But then like on a Thursday or Saturday, like, hey, give me some lines you like. And I look through them like I don't like anything. Like, do I have to? Like, I don't know. No, and the the weird thing is is so on this past Tuesday parlay a couple of nights ago, when this comes out Tuesday, like I was very, very confident in Iowa at Ohio State. Very confident. Probably would have put down a lot of money on it if I had a lot of money to put down, but I didn't. And I ended up going one in three on three bullshit games that probably a majority of the people would bet my way. And then they just don't happen. It's just very frustrating. Yeah, dude. uh, College basketball will be interesting, especially when we do our big, big March madness uh, episode. We'll probably do something the night that the brackets drop and shit like that. Cause the first game's on like Tuesday or whatever, but It'll be interesting coming down, um, but we're, we'll get there. I think a shit will get a lot better when it comes to NBA playoff basketball. I think I'll probably be very, very money come then because um, I think those are pretty easy to bet on. But other than that, we do have a big weekend, and this is like a first episode that we're going to kind of – the first episode we're going to just do completely pretty much the entire show. It's about the UFC and mixed martial arts. If you're not a UFC fan, like Travis tweeted out earlier – it is a great weekend to start watching because this is probably one of the most stacked cards we have seen since UFC 205 back in November of 2016. I think yeah, you, uh, November 2016 when Conor McGregor beat Alvarez for the, for, for the lightweight belt. Woodley and Steven Thompson fought a great fight and ended up being a draw, so Woodley kept his belt. And then Joanna Jim Jacek, uh, fought for the for her belts that night and, and kept it. There's also some other good fights that night on that card as well. So, but this one on Saturday is huge. UFC 235. Um, four of the five fights on the main card are phenomenal. There's a great. There's one really really good fight on the prelims 
which are now on ESPN. They used to be on Fox Sports 1. So for those of you who don't know UFC, they pretty much start fighting like 4 o'clock or whatever, 4 o'clock Central Time. Like the very, very early fights are on, are on their special like UFC TV thing. Um, but then the prelims come on at 7 o'clock Central Time. And they used to be on Fox Sports 1. And usually the prelims are about four or five fights before the main card. And, but now since they're dealing with ESPN, the prelims are on ESPN. So you should have access. If you have TV, you should be able to watch this. And even just watching like casual fights, seeing the up and comers are fun, but the main card starts at nine. There's five cards, five fights on the main card. And that's the big thing. So we're going to run down five of the fights, one undercard fight, one prelim fight, um, and four of the fights on the main card. We're going to talk about all of them, give you our analysis and picks in the trending topic segment, along with, a little bit of NFL draft talk, so roll it. So like we said, USC 235 is this weekend. The prelims start at 7 p.m. on ESPN. The main card starts at 9 o'clock. It is on pay-per-view, so you must pay for it. It features two championship fights, the light heavyweight championship and the welterweight championship, a debut by Ben Askren, who was a welterweight champ, in the one fighting championship in Asia and also in Bellator until he left Bellator in 2013 to go to the one fighting championship. He's also 18 and 0 professionally. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, Cody Garbrandt also fights the first fight on the, on the pay-per-view card. He's coming back for the first time since August of 2018 and was the former Bantam, Bantamweight champ. And his only two losses in the UFC have been to TJ Dillashaw. Um, so let's talk about it. We're going to go into our first fight. On the undercard, we have the it's it is a featherweight fight, which is at 145 pounds. We have Jeremy number six, Jeremy Lil Heathen Stevens, at plus 195 versus number 13th ranked Zabit Magomedsharapov. Magomedsharapov, which Magomedsharapov. This is the featherweight 145, um, and this is odd because the number six, so the the better ranked guy is the underdog against Zabit, but also he is, he's kind of a new, not new, but up and coming. Um, I remember watching Zabit back in September <clears throat> and thinking that, like, who is this guy? He's going to get his ass kicked and then shocked me and submitted the dude in round two. Um, so, and he hasn't fought since September, and then Stevens hasn't fought since July. He's getting not old but he's getting up there in age yep. and he hasn't won since february of last year so it's been a little over a year now um and he's a knockout artist so i think if zabit wants to win his specialty is on the ground he can take it to the ground control it there um so i have him winning in a submission in round two nice nice yeah like you said jeremy stevens is a seasoned vet He's most famously known for the guy who lipped off to Connor at the UFC 205 pressers, and Connor turned around and said, "Who the fuck is that guy?" That's Jeremy Stevens. For those of you who do not know, like he's the guy who lipped off to Connor in the press conference. But you know, he he's a seasoned vet, but he's his career like never really took off. Like he's just, yeah, he's, he's always been just average. Here. Yeah, he's he's average at best. I would say I would say number six is a little above average, but not bad. Yeah, I think he's ranked there because the again, like the featherweight division is not phenomenal as far as like contenders. Because Max Holloway, who I think is a chump, has had the fucking belt for God knows how long now since since Connor left the left the division. Um, but Zabit, like you said, is sixteen one. He's had four fights in the UFC. 
He's also six foot two. So a severe height advantage for him in the 145 pound class. Most of these guys are 5'8, 5'9, 5'10 max. Um, so supreme advantage in the height and reach division for, for this class. Um, he's also, like Travis said, very good at the ground and very good at submitting his opponents. Three out of four of his fights in the UFC have ended with him submitting him. Submitting him. Um, but Jeremy is also a, a, a good wrestler, so I don't think Zabit will be able to submit him, which is I, why I think Zabit will win this fight by decision. I think he still wins. I think he still outstrikes him. He's able to control the center of, of the octagon and win in a decision. All right. Um, like Jared said, that's on the prelim, so it's not anything crazy major. We just wanted to give that to you because on the main card, there is a fight that we aren't going to include, so we included that one to be the fifth. So rolling on into the main card, the first fight of the night at 9 o'clock is one of our personal favorites, Cody No Love Garbrandt. Uh, he's number two um, in the Bantamweight division at 135 versus number nine, Pedro, the young Punisher, Munoz. Yep. Um, and he's at plus 140. So Garbrandt minus 170, Munoz plus 140. Um, yep. So this is in the Bantamweight division. It's the, it's the 135-pound class. Um, and if you haven't seen that, Cody Garbrandt is one of the most electric fighters on the roster, I think. Um, he dazzles with his footwork. If you haven't seen it, you should go watch his fight when he won the Bantamweight title belt against Dominic Cruz back at UFC 207. He just did some crazy-ass shit in the ring, like danced around, pulled off dance moves. It was, it was fun to watch. But he also has a background in wrestling. Um, he's a wrestler by trade, but he's kind of has gravitated more towards the boxing side of things. Um, he does – I think TJ Dillashaw kind of exposed him to having a weak chin, though. If he gets exposed and gets hit, he will go down and flutter fast. So that's a vulnerable, vulnerable aspect to his game. Like I said, he was 11-0 before he had the two losses to TJ. Pedro is a seasoned vet. He's 32. He's been in the UFC since early 2014. But his fight record and who he's fought is not that impressive. His best fight is a split decision loss against John Dodson, who's now fading himself kind of back at UFC 222 um, in March 2018. Uh, Pedro also likes to wrestle and take fights to the ground and submit people, but Cody has a hundred percent takedown defense. Um, no one's really ever taken Cody down and submitted him. So as long as Cody keeps his fight standing up, I have him winning and by TKO in the second. Yeah. So, um, Cody Garbrandt, his last win was in 2016. So it's been a hot minute since he's won. He's coming off back-to-back losses versus TJ Dillashaw um, and I mean, really, his at this point, his career is spiraling, spiraling downwards, fast. which is crazy to say because he's eleven and two. Like it's not like yeah, he's like. But I mean, if he loses another one, he I mean, he really can't afford to lose many more without just no. kind of falling out. Well, he'll um, he'll, he'll stop getting getting fights. Yeah, so he's he's a knockout artist. Um, he's as well. Uh, he's won nine. Of his fights due to knockouts and two to decision. So eleven and two. Both of his losses were KOs. Munoz early, early. is seventeen and three. All of his losses have been by decision. He's never been knocked out. So it's really kind of a polar opposite here. Cody likes knocking out. This guy's never been knocked out. So but Cody's also never been submitted before, and this guy's a submission man. Um, so it's really going to kind of be a weird fight. I think as long as Cody is smart, he's craving a win, he can get a knockout, but I think that it's going to go to decision 
given this is only a three-round fight. Yep. So Cody will take due to significant strikes because he is an attacker, and the other guy's a submission man. So give me Cody Garbrandt in a decision. I like that. That's, that's actually a very good analysis. And for those of you who don't know, unless it is a title fight or like the, if it is the, the uh, main event and it's not a title fight, those are the only things that will be five rounds. Everything else is three. So that is a good point that this will be a three-round fight. Um, and Cody has, even in that dominant cruise fight, he's shown he can go the distance and stay very, very high energy the entire, the, the, the entire time. So. And the only thing that scares me with him is getting knocked out, which is what TJ Dillashaw does. And this Pedro Munoz guy does not. So, I mean, I, he can wrestle with the best of them as long as he can't – he doesn't get, you know, too many shots to the face, which I don't think he will. Yeah. He go the distance and he can uh, win by decision. Yeah, he's a, he's a wrestler by trade, so, and he has 100% takedown defense. So, that's always a good thing. Rolling in, so we are going to skip the second fight. It is – Two girls that are fighting, Teshia Torres and Wailai Zhang. Um, but we're not going to talk about them because they're both in a division that is, they're never going to achieve the top of because they're in the strawweight division against a girl called Thug Rose, Thug Rose Namahunas, who is a scary motherfucker, um, and no one's going to touch her. So we're not going to talk about the second fight. Like a little we're going gonna... <laughs> to roll right into the third fight of the night, or the third fight on the main card, and that is a welterweight fight at 170 pounds. You got number six, ruthless Robbie Lawler at plus 225 versus Ben Funky Askren at minus 285, making his UFC debut. Travis, what are your thoughts on the Mizzou wrestling alum? Yeah, so you said it there, Mizzou. We have actually two Mizzou wrestlers in this fight on this main card, and it's awesome to see. Um, it says USC debut versus seasoned old ass veteran and Robbie Lawler. This man is old. Askren in his MMA career um, is seventeen and 0? 18. 18 and zero. He has six knockouts, five submissions, and seven decisions. So he is very versatile. He can knock you out. He can submit you, and he can go the distance just like the best of them. He's a wrestler, so he has the stamina. He is not going to get submitted very easily because he's a wrestler. And Lawler's old, and he's not a ground guy. He only has one win in his career by submission. And Askren has five already in his young career. Um, and five of his 12 losses, five of 12 Lawler's losses have been from submissions. So I think that Askren being a wrestler and coming from that background is such a a benefit to him in this fight, um, especially coming in. He's going to be hungry. It's going to be his first UFC fight on a huge card. It's not a guarantee that it'll be a submission win for Askren. Don't think I'll knock him out. I think he's going to submit him or go the distance, but I will say that he'll submit him in the third round. I like so that a Askren, lot. Askren, minus 285. Yep. Uh, and, I mean, Ben Askren's making his UFC debut and may be the most anticipated fighter to come on the roster since Conor McGregor. I mean, they've been trying to get this guy forever, but he was locked into a very, very restrictive contract with the one fighting championship based out of Asia. But they traded Mighty Mouse Johnson's contract to one to, one to get Ben Askren over, over to the UFC. That's how much they wanted this guy. They, they traded their most decorated champion for this guy, and that's he's electric. He, everyone's like he's a little bit older. He is thirty four. He's been around for a while. Him and Woodley were teammates in college. 
Uh, but this guy is a fucking baller. 18-0, and 0, like Travis said, um, and hasn't lost a professional like fighting bout since his sophomore year in college at Mizzou. His last years of college, he went undefeated, won two national championships um, in his last two years, and just hasn't lost in his MMA career once. Uh, like Travis said, Robbie Lawler is a legend. Like he, he, He's a legend in his own regard, but he has not been the same since Tyrone Woodley knocked him out in July of 2016 to take the welterweight belt. Also important to note is that Askren and Woodley have been training with each other ever since their college days. Even when they, they both went professional in, in MMA, they continued to train together. When Woodley was on the UFC fights, Askren was in his corner, walked out to the stage with them. They are very, very, very good friends and know a lot about each other. So I'm sure Woodley's given them a lot of pointers on how to beat Lawler. But I agree with Travis. Um, I don't think he's going to knock him out, but Askren is a total package. He can stand up. He can take it to the ground. He can defend it. He can submit you. Um, and I think that's what's going to happen. I think that he's going to wear down Lawler, the 36-year-old 30, Robbie Lawler, and win via submission in the third round as well. So we both have the same thing there. Askren by submission in the third, minus 285. All right. So rolling along with pretty much the same picks here, um, just different kind of prediction on the outcomes. Um, we're rolling These, into- uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pop in here real quick. These Natter days are dangerous. Like They are yeah. so fucking smooth. They're solid. They go down good. They taste good. Once you get a few drinks in, it uh, it's a lot more smoother, not as sweet, and it just I don't know. It makes it makes a smooth drinking beer, that's for sure. Yeah, um, especially if you're not a beer drinker. A lot of uh, a lot of darties this summer in colleges are gonna get a lot of blackout fucking chads and brads from this shit. So yeah, and I'm sure the sugar will come back and hit you for a headache in the morning, oh, but it's yeah, all right. All right, Travis, so I'll go ahead and roll into our second-to-last fight on the main card and let you talk about it first. We have our welterweight title fight. We have the champion, Tyron, the chosen one, Woodley, fighting out of St. Louis, Missouri, by way of Columbia and the University of Missouri against the number two-ranked Kamaru, the Nigerian Nightmare, which is a badass name, by the way, Usman. So Woodley is the favorite at minus 175 to, to retain his, his strap, and Usman is the underdog at plus 145. Travis, we kind of had a lot of questions about this fight. Um, what do you see kind of kind of – let's just go with how do you see the fight laying out and what is your prediction? Okay. So um, there's, we have on here, if he defends his belt yet again – Tyron Woodley is great at defending his belt. He will do whatever it takes to defend his belt. He doesn't care if he has to run around the ring for, you know, five rounds as long as he wins. He knows how to play the game. He knows how to play his fights to maintain, you know, being champion. So he's coming right off of a match where his, you know, colleague is fighting. So it's going to be great motivation for him to hop in that ring. Um, it's not going to be as exciting as the rest of the fights. We know that, like I just said. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna play it out and kind of see how he can pick apart his opponent. Um, he isn't over aggressively or cocky, so I feel like that benefits him in not trying to go after this guy. Um, but Usman's no walk in the park at fourteen and one either. I know he's up and coming. He's pretty damn good, and his only loss is by submission. Which Woodley is a wrestler who has five submission wins in his career compared to Usman's one. So I feel like if he can kind of stay away from getting punched in the face as much as possible and play it smart, take him down, wear him down. 
he can end up, you know, winning this thing um, for the most part. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. I have it that Woodley is much like Askren in the regard where he's kind of like the total package. You know, he has – he can defend the takedown to avoid submission attempts – a.k.a. see the Damian Maya fight when he defended 26 takedowns. Damian Maya it was, a, was a submission guy. That was trying to do the whole fight, and Woodley knew it and defended it the entire time. It was boring, but, but he, he kept his belt. Um, if it does go to the ground, he can escape. We've seen that before. He's very, very good at escaping ground things. Or he can submit you, like you just said, in his last fight title defense against Darren Till. This guy was talking a bunch of shit. Woodley knocked him on the chin, got him to the ground, and fucking got him in a, in a DR choke. Which um, I think is is what the play is going to be here. Yeah. Um, and, and But he also has that one-punch knockout ability, like he when he did when he beat Robbie Lawler. He actually had the fastest welterweight championship knockout in history of the UFC back in 2016 when he knocked out Lawler in the first round. He basically caught him in the face. Lawler fell back to the cage, and Woodley just fucking nailed him in, in, in the head, and the ref stopped it. But I do think, like you just said, I'll let you go ahead and finish. I think it could be more of like a Darren Till fight with this guy. But this guy's a good wrestler, though, too. Which yeah. he's, a, he, he's, he's a collegiate collegiate wrestler, which scares me about going to the ground. Yeah, I don't know. I just know that in the UFC, in the UFC and MMA alone, he's only had one submission win. So most of them were most of his wins are by decision. Most of them are decision. I know Woodley's a good wrestler. The only thing from him is that he needs to stay away from getting hit on the chin early. Uh, if he can stay away from danger while they're up, take him to the ground. I think that he can win by decision with significant strikes and ground control. I don't think he's going to knock him out. He's going to do what it takes to win. It's going to be a, probably one of the most boring fights on the main card of this night, but he's going to win by decision. I think he's going to win too, but I don't agree with how you think he's going to win. Um, I would love to see him knock out or submission. Yeah. He's one of my favorite MMA fighters, but that's just my, my His thought. chin is tough. Like, out of, out of all the fighters I've kind of gravitated towards over the last couple of years, he has one of the toughest chins I have seen. Like, the dude can take some fucking hit. Took all, like, both fights against Steven Thompson. He took some beatdowns, some good shots. But this guy's a wrestler. He's not a striker. And I think Woodley knows that. I think Woodley knows he can out-wrestle him. I just hope he doesn't kind of overexert himself or overextend himself and get himself into trouble by thinking he can do that and then get into the ground and get himself in a bad position. I think he will end up – I think Woodley is going – and also this Usman guy, the only reason why he got this fight, he kept chirping on Twitter. Like That's all he did. Basically, Woodley, this, his, next, his next fight was either going to be against – uh, was supposed to be against Colby, Colby Covington because Colby Covington has been, been doing nothing but talking shit on Twitter. But Usman kind of came in and kind of started doing that as of late. Dana White saw an opportunity to sell tickets. And he's like, fuck it, you're going to fight Usman. Um, and I think T. Wood's going to kind of keep that in the back of his mind. I think this Usman guy is going to be a little over aggressive. He's saying, I know what it, I have what it takes to beat him. He's been a great champion, but it's time for my throne. So I think he's going to be a little over aggressive. I think Woodley's going to catch him on the chin because Woodley, did it, mine, all of his great wrestling ability is great at having that knockout power and can like just, you know, Travis, you know, you, you know the move, ducking, ducking his left shoulder and coming over the top of that fucking right hand and like thopping some dude right on the chin. Okay. And that's what will happen. And Woodley get on top of him and start flurrying him. And so I predict Woodley's going to win in the second round by TKO and retain his belt for the sixth consecutive time. All right. You heard it there, and we have kind of been gravitating towards favorites for this fight. But, man, 
Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years' experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I 270 and MD 85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1 800 Gambler. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Me personally, and I, I know it's probably not going to end up how I want, but four of my five favorite fighters are fighting on, on this main card. Yeah. Um, so that takes us into our main event. No, we've got to we, – one, one more thing. So we both predicted Tyron to win. What is next for him? Because, I mean, if he wins this fight, it'll be a sixth time defending the welterweight title. I mean, he's kind of fought everyone in that division, I would feel like. He's not going to fight Ben Askren. That yeah, will not no, happen. I don't think he wants to fight him. He's a big dude. I think he, walk, that, he, he walks around at 205. Yeah. He can very well go up so to, the, and to the middleweight division, which is very weak and watered down. Yep. Not a lot of big-name fighters. Robert Whitaker is the title belt holder right now. So I think he could go in and run that division Yep. Um, after a couple fights. So he could do that, whether or not he does that immediately after or a few months following because Ben Askren isn't going to get a title fight. I mean, he, he's going to have to win a few fights before he gets that opportunity. So I think maybe once he does, Woodley will defend his belt maybe one more time and then hop up to middleweight. I think so too. I, I, I wanted to say he would jump up to middleweight because that division, next to the featherweight division, that's right now is one of the – like I think it's, it's middleweight than featherweight. Those are the two worst divisions in the, in the men's – this side side of the UFC right now because Robert Whitaker has been the champion, hasn't defended his belt once. GSP had it after he beat what old ass, what's his name? Fuck. Uh, Bisping. Bisping. Yeah. Who was kind of a market, but they haven't had a marketable champion there. And I think Woodley could go up and easily win that division and hold it down and be another two weight division champion, which I know everyone's like, it's not as special anymore. It's still, it's still a big deal, especially, you know, I think Woodley could do it. But like you said, I don't see him doing it right away because Askren, Askren said he wants to fight four times in 2018. So if he fights three times 2019. in 2019, yeah, sorry. He wants to fight four times in 2019. If he fights three times, win all, wins all three, and his last fight of the year is in December of 2019, he might be fighting for the belt then because he's 34. Yeah. They, probably, they, they have to accelerate his, his, star, his star ability. I think Woodley, the only other person left for him to fight is Colby Covington. That's it. Like... So I think if he wins this one, Covington will probably chirp and want his shot. He'll get it. I think Woodley beats him and defends the belt for seven straight seven times, which is phenomenal. And I think he goes up to 185 and kind of runs that for a little bit until he decides to retire. But I think I think that, that's what's next. I don't think he, like you said, I don't think he goes right away. I think he fights once once more, defends it probably like midsummer, um, mid mid late summer, and then will fight in the middleweight division either end of this year or early in 2020. Agreed. So that we have a, pretty much our loaded card already, and then we going to the title fight. 
which is even better. My personal favorite fighter, light heavyweight, John Bones Jones. Huge favorite, <laughs> minus 850. When Jarrett told me this, I about had a stroke because I wouldn't put money on this just because of how big of a favorite that is. It's versing number three, so it's not like it's a nobody. Anthony Lionheart Smith at plus 525. Um, it's just kind of a crazy line to me. I don't know if there's something going on that I don't know, but minus 850 is insane. Yeah, so we kind of have a couple questions about this one as well. And I've just not remembered, I, didn't, I forgot to answer the last piece. So I'll give you my rundown of the fight, run back and see what I can find out. And then we'll talk about that last piece. So John Jones is potentially, if, depending on who you ask, the greatest UFC fighter of all time. And he is the best pound for pound fighter in the game. I don't care what anyone says. People say it's Daniel Cormier, but we all know. That's not Conor true. McGregor's better pound for pound than Cormier. Let's come on. Um, they say that Cormier is the best pound for pound right now because he has two belts. No, he doesn't. John Jones has this, has the other one. Oh yeah, that's right. Now he does. Yeah. He had two anyway, belts. John Jones is potentially, you know, I could sit down. You know, I th- I think it's more like GSP, um, but he's potentially the greatest UFC fighter of all time. If it weren't for if and if it weren't for his legal troubles and him not being able to stay off fucking PEDs he definitely would undoubtedly be the best UFC fighter the game has ever seen. He's 23-1. and one. His only loss was DQ for illegal downward elbows, which... And the freaking ultimate fighter. An ultimate fighter. So, like, technically counts towards his record, but it's not, it wasn't in a main, like, UFC event. He has devastating kicks. This dude is fucking tall. He has reach, and his legs are long and lanky, and they do damage. I've seen him pick apart people time and time again, being able to kick from the top of your fucking head all the way down to your shins. Like his leg range is insane, and they're devastating. He can deliver them all over the body, chop chop his um, opponents down. Um, he can also defend the takedown. He he doesn't really wrestle all that well, but he can defend the takedown very well. See his two victories against Daniel Cormier, like you're talking about, one of the best wrestlers, and you have to admit that Daniel Cormier is one of the best wrestlers on on the roster. Especially, yeah, yeah, especially when you get up in those <laughs> in those heavier weights. You try to um, throw that man around. What's concerning to me, I don't, know, I don't know if you wrote about this, but what's concerning to me is the short turnaround time. He fought Alexander Gustafsson on December 29th, so it was about two months ago, um, where he, he did look fatigued. He looked tired at times, but it was his first fight in a year and a half. I think, though, he probably came off that fight and just said, fuck it, I'm going to stay in fight shape. I'm going to continue to train like it's fight camp. I'm going to continue to do it. Um, and it's not like he's, he's super fatigued. The dude hasn't fought in a year and a half. So it's not like he's like, oh, man, this last year has been a toll on me. He comes out and fights one fight. It's his first one. Yeah. Turn around, he's like, let's do it again. I'm ready. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's why I think the quick turnaround. Like I said, I think he stayed in fight shape. Anthony Smith, though, is a grinder. He's tough. Not going to be an easy out. He's a great striker himself. Um, I don't know if you looked at the stats, but he is a great striker. What, however, I'm not going to steal Travis Thunder here, but I think Travis has a different stat that he's going to talk about. He absorbs way too many shots to stand toe-to-toe with, with, with Johnny Bones. Um, he absorbs 4.82 strikes per minute, two times more than what John Jones has. I was going to say, that's a lot. Two times more. So he's absorbing five significant strikes per minute. Jones also outreaches him by 10 and a half inches. 
Oh my god. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. He had ten John and a jo- half inches? Yeah. Is that yeah. a thing? Yeah, John Jones reached like, 80, like two eighty four and a half. I think his is like seventy six. Wow. Um, so I and then also Anthony Smith's average fight time. This is concerning in a five remember guys, five round title fight. His Anthony Smith's average fight time is eight fifty eight. John Jones is thirteen fifty eight. Yeah, eight fifty eight's two minute two rounds, round and a half. Yeah, well, almost two rounds. Ten minutes would be two rounds. John yeah. Jones's average fight fight time goes almost four. It also probably means that John Jones had more title fights than Anthony Smith. I get that, but I think Johnny Bones, very similar to, to his last fight, it goes past the first two and the third round. Everyone's like, "What's going to happen? Does Lionheart have a chance?" No, kicks him in the fucking head with a leg and TKOs him in the in, in the third round. Um, kicks him in the head with a leg and kind of gets on top and starts flurrying him. So third round TKO for, for Johnny bone Jones for me. I like it. Like I said, John Jones is pretty much my favorite fighter. Um, he's good at all facets of the game. Jared said he's not much of a wrestler, but stats say otherwise. I mean, he's got 10 knockouts, six submissions, six submissions and seven decisions. So I, I didn't mean he wasn't a great wrestler. That's not, right. his, that's not his bread and butter. Though. It's not his bread and butter. It's not, he's, a, he's a striker and that's what he does, but he can wrestle and he's very good at it. Um, Anthony Smith, I didn't realize this. He's a 30 year old man. He's fought 44 fights. The dude is 31 and 13. That's a lot of fights. That's a lot of punches on the chin to take throughout the years when you're 30. <laughs> um, I mean, shit, dude. Especially when you're absorbing f- fucking five strikes a minute almost. I know. He's, he must have an iron chin, but apparently not because Jared said he didn't want to steal my thunder. This is why. Anthony Smith has been knocked out eight times in his career. A lot of people don't even have eight losses when they're fighting <laughs> for a title fight. This dude's been knocked out eight times. So... The dude is very well-versed in how to take a fucking punch to the head. Um, and I think Jones takes it that way. He, he's a knockout artist. I think he's going to come out. Jared said kick to the head in the third round. I definitely think it's going to be in the third or fourth. I'm going to go ahead, just for the sake of Jared saying the third, I'm going to say it's going to be early in the fourth um, that he knocks him out. So, John Jones minus 850. Don't put a whole lot of money on it because he won't win much. <laughs> For sure, for sure. So we all had the same fighters picked. All of them were favorites. That doesn't always happen. Because there's always usually a big upset. Yeah, yeah. dude. Uh, if I had to pick, if I had to look at one of these fights and think an upset would be to brew, to brew, if I were to pick an upset, as much as it pains me to say it, I'd probably pick Usman. See, I was gonna, I was gonna say Munoz versus uh, Cody yeah, Garbrandt. That was that was my second. That was my second option. Jeremy Stevens doesn't have a shot. Lawler doesn't have a shot, and Lionheart Smith doesn't have a shot. If you're looking at, a, at, at, at an underdog to maybe win some money, look you're at gonna Usman. put a parlay down. You want to include a, an underdog? Yeah, because I actually did that. If you did a parlay on all the picks we just picked, threw down a, a twenty-fiver, you'd win hundred and eight bucks. Not good. No. I would not feel comfortable doing that. Um, so, I mean, usually I, I love betting on these UFC big cards. It's fun, and I love throwing a, a parlay down. But if you're going to go all favorites, I would suggest going against that. Throw in an underdog in there if you're not too invested in a fighter and try to win some money. I won't do it, but, yeah. I mean, I won't. I mean, if you're really risky, you can throw down Anthony Smith in there. But No, 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 no. It's stupid but... of you. So – UFC 235, if you're not a big UFC fan, 
which if you're not, we've probably lost you at this point in the episode. Yeah. Uh, you <laughs> should really. go ahead and give it a watch this weekend. Maybe, maybe not buy it, but go down to your local bar. I'm sure they'll be playing it. Yeah, if you want to come out, if you're in the area, actually, we will be at – you want to come watch it with your favorite two drunk brothers, which this reminds me, we totally skipped a, skipped a question about John Jones. We'll come back to this. Um, <laughs> but if you want to come watch it with your favorite two drunk brothers, we will be at – my neck of the woods down in Teradalac at the Skyview Bar and Grill. It is a sports bar that my future father-in-law opened up at the at the Country Club. It's a really cool cool joint. Um, it's been open for about a month now since Super Bowl Sunday. Um, and Travis and I will be down there a few along with, with a couple of friends. Five dollar cover. You get to watch all the fights. Drink some drink some good beer. Um, he actually has a special beer on tap that O'Fallon brewed just for him. It's called the Skyview Red Ale. So that's kind of cool. So there you go. It's only five bucks. It saves you from spending 70 at home and sitting there pulling your dick around all night. And if you absolutely need a place to crash, I'm sure you'd crash in my place. But yeah. There you go, Jared. The Jared Hotel, ladies and gentlemen. The question we missed is if John Jones wins, who is next? Who does he fight? What happens? It's really weird. I was looking at the, the division, and there's really not anyone that's like, oh, man, this would be a good fight. Other than him giving Daniel Cormier a shot again. I don't think Cormier will do it. If Cormier doesn't do it, that solidifies how big of a fat bitch pussy he is. <laughs> and he needs to go back in there and fight him and lose for the third time because I don't know what good fight there will be to offer on a good card. Yeah, because I'm looking at Cormier. Cormier is currently the heavyweight champion, and you look at the top three guys, and he's beat them all. Oh, actually, he hasn't beat Francis Ngannou. That's who I want to see him fight. So Daniel Cormier, you look at the heavyweight division. He beat Stipe Miocic for, for the belt. He beat Derek Lewis when Derek Lewis is ranked second. But the guy he hasn't fought is Francis Ngannou. And if you guys have not seen Francis Ngannou fight, he just fought on a free fight on ESPN a couple weekends ago. Knocked the dude out in the first round. And like, Yeah, he's a big boy. Dude, he is a fucking nightmare of a human being. So Cormier has – pick your poison because I think Dana White's going to be like, hey, man, you're either going to get John Jones to try to win back your light heavyweight belt, or you're going to have to fight Francis Ngannou. And you know he's not going to want to fight John Jones again. They hate each other, and John Jones beat him twice now. Yeah. I think John Jones, if, if it's not. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Ah, dude, this fucking... It's going to have to be whoever calls John Jones out. This is really. a vision. I, th- I think it might be Vulcan Ozdemir or Corey Yeah, Anderson. that's what I was looking at. I don't even think that would be very close. John Jones, if he doesn't fight Daniel Cormier, which I still think he'd even beat him, is going to rule this division for the next few years. Yeah, I mean, Ozdemir, though, is 15-3. and three, So, I mean... Dude, it's just John Jones. You have those dominant fighters, and... In the UFC, this is like the one sport that the dominant fighters are actually fun to watch. Yeah. Like the dominant like the, the, the yeah. champions, and they've been champions. is actually fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. But, 
Well, like Travis said, that is UFC. UFC 235 in a nutshell. Bet on it. It's fun. It's fun to watch. You get to drink beer and watch it. Watch literally the purest form of entertainment. Dude. I get more nervous betting on UFC than I do any other sport. Well, it's just so like things can happen at, at, at any moment. Like you go back to the UFC fight in October when McGregor fought and you had Derek Lewis versus, I can't remember his name, but he was losing the entire fight. Literally knocked the dude out in the last like 30 seconds. Like I was locked in a bathroom when he knocked him out. <laughs> at a bar in some town in Kentucky across the room from Cincinnati. <laughs> we sound like fucking hillbillies. Yeah. But um, no, if you're, if you're not a UFC, if you're a sports fan, you don't watch UFC, you have to give it a shot at least once. Um, I wasn't really a huge fan of UFC until I went to college. Fell in love with it. It's amazing. I love it. It's, it's amazing. So. Yep. But going off that, we're going to roll into one more last topic in our trending topics because that was a lot of UFC talk. But i got to give us some love because we, we do love it. And we'll probably do yeah. that more than once this summer um, whenever things are very, very slow. So we want to talk about – we had a question from one of our followers on Twitter – and we, they just wanted us to talk about who we think the best quarterback prospect is in the draft. The draft is about two months from today. Um, Travis and I will be doing a lot of draft stuff in April and like leading up to it, probably do like a live event for the draft. If you guys are interested in doing that, we can probably talk about that. But Travis, who do you think is the best quarterback prospect in the draft? All right. So to give you a little bit of insight, just a little quick, we ran, I ran a, we, we ran a poll on Twitter few days ago, had 93 votes, decent amount, and the options were Kyler Murray, 41%, who was the best, who they'd rather take, 38 votes. Haskins got 35%, which is 32 votes. Drew Locke got 18%, 17 and Daniel Jones and Will Greer, I combined them into one, and they got 6%, which was six votes. So not a whole lot. My – this is hard. We can – what's – we can just kind of open this up into more of a debate because I could sit here and ramble on for 10 minutes and you don't want to hear me doing that. Well, um, it's not Kyler Murray. so A lot of people were commenting saying Haskins, hands down. Yep, me too. That's Dwayne what Haskins, six foot three, 220 pounds, not a runner. I know a That's lot of people fine. think he's a runner because he's a black quarterback and a lot of people think that they're automatically runners, but he's not. He had like hard rushing yards. Last yeah, yeah. Year. You know, you know, people, people who assume that are Stephen A. Smith. Who That's what I was going to say. Who said that but, shit on first take. He's like, yeah, I just don't think he'll work out in the NFL because he's more of a runner than a passer. And somebody was like, Dude, he literally had like one of the better passer ratings in college. He had 100 rushing yards for like four touchdowns. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. He, um, had 50 touchdowns, eight picks, 4,800 yards, but... I want to know, I want to know his completion percentage. That's what I want to know. Yeah. yeah, so he... What was his completion percentage, by the way? 70%. So that's pretty good. Pretty the only, good. Really the only problem I have with him, really, though, is there's not a ton of experience. He has one full year as a starter in college. So is Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray also has one full year of experience. This is what worries me. This is, and then I was looking at Dwayne Haskins, and he reminds me of a quarterback back in the day that was kind of a bust. First round draft pick. Yep. Byron Leftwich 2.0. Byron didn't have a bad career. I was thinking more Jamarcus Russell, but yeah. I was looking at Jamarcus Russell, and he was just absolutely garbage. Byron Leftwich, their stature reminds me of the same. Byron Leftwich was six foot five, two hundred and fifty, so he was a couple inches taller, a little bit heavier. They both just like 
their muscle tone isn't crazy. Um, and Byron Lutzwich, actually, I was looking at it, he had an absolute horrible career. <laughs> he had, in 10 years, he had 58 touchdowns, 42 picks, and 10,000 yards. It's not bad. His quarterback rating was a 78. Average. Not good. Haskins isn't going to be your freaking MVP. Okay. That's just kind of this whole quarterback class. No offense to Drew Locke. Love him. Had him as a student when I taught him a zoo. Like, this quarterback class isn't great. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, just don't even, don't even get me started on him. I, could, I know. There's, I could, and it's weird because everyone loves him. Me and Jared hate him. It pisses me off. Everyone's like, like every, everyone thinks he's the next Patrick Mahomes, dude. Patrick Mahomes is like six foot two, six foot three. Like, Kyler Murray's 5'10, 194. 5'10 with fucking goddamn stilettos on, maybe. Yeah. Um, Everyone who, who is on, I, I want everyone to come back and listen to this when Kyler Murray fucking flops in the NFL. And I, I hope, sure should hope so. I hope, I hope he hears this. I hope everyone who fucking, who thinks he's going to be phenomenal hears this. You're not going to make it. You are Johnny Manziel. Everyone's like, he's not Johnny Manziel. He's better arm. Doesn't matter. He scrambles too much. He's out of the pocket. I want to see him do some of those fucking runs he tried to do at Oklahoma against like uh, the Baltimore Ravens defense coming across the middle or somebody with like a mean <clears throat> linebacker, Avantes perfect on Cincinnati. He's going to get his fucking ass lit up and he's not going to make it. He's not he Mike might. Vick. He's not as fast and as agile as Mike Vick. Everyone said he's like, he's like Mike Vick with a better arm. Shut the fuck up. You're wrong. You're stupid. You're dumb. Shut the fuck up. And I saw a big thing of, it, of like, oh, height matters. Well, he only had five passes knocked down at the line of scrimmage last year. Well, also, how many passes compared um, behind, in the pocket that he have compared to a lot of, you know, pocket passers? Also, I read a story that so he could see, ha- have visibility, and people think this will work in the NFL, won't, Travis Wingfield. Um because he's in love with him once the Dolphins draft him. I will jump off a bridge if the Dolphins draft him. Um, <laughs> the Oklahoma Sooners offensive line made wider splits. Like, they, they, they had their splits be wider so he could see through the lanes. When he's 5'10", like, compared to your average offensive lineman who's like 6'6". Six, six. That's not going to work. That's so hard. I mean, any slant passes across the middle, that's why he has to scramble outside the pocket to get his passes off because he can't see. Well, even if you want to widen your offensive lineman's split so he can see through the gaps. The linebacker's going to come through and plow you like the fucking hooker down the road. They'll disguise their blitzes so much better than they do in college. So much better than they do in college. And they can disguise a blitz and fucking come through one of those. That's also the thing that I was going to mention next. Kyler has one full year of experience. His freshman year, he was at A&M in the SEC, and he was not doing well. He had like five touchdowns. What? Couldn't hack it. Couldn't hack it. In the SEC, five touchdowns, seven picks, transferred, goes to the Big 12 where they have a terrible – known for terrible defense, and then goes off. One full year, terrible defense, terrible conference. Not good. I'm saying I'm not saying that Drew Locke is going to be a star, but this is my best quarterback prospect in this draft. And this is why. He has three full years of starting SEC QB experience. And half his freshman year. And half his freshman year. So he has in total he has ninety five touchdowns, thirty one picks, ten almost eleven thousand yards in those three years. He's seasoned and he got he, better every single year. Every single year. He's seasoned. He only threw eight picks in his senior year. 
And like when I look at him, he like is a replica of some of the most successful quarterbacks of all time. You look at, I mean, he reminds me of Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, um, Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, and Joe Flacco. Like these tall pocket passers with great arms and great vision. And, and they can easy. scramble if they need to. Besides Peyton Manning, besides Peyton Manning, but yeah. yeah, and can scramble if you need to, and he just he is the most ready to go, I think, as far as you know, a lot of these. Maybe him and Will Greer and Daniel Jones, but I'll say I could say everyone's sleeping on Will Greer. If you can, if you're able to get Will Greer and like you get Will Greer in the second, I'll say if you get Will Greer in the second, you need a quarterback. That's not bad, but I think if he's there with the when the Patriots draft, I think that pulled the trigger. We'll see. It's gonna be it's gonna be an awesome draft, and I'm pretty pumped for it. We're gonna give you guys kind of a mock draft, maybe um, in a month or so. We have I have a I have a plan for the draft, and it's called it's inviting our guests we've had on the show before, and anyone else who wants who wants to participate. And we'll get together and we'll drink on a weekend, and we'll record it for our YouTube channel and our so and also our, our other social channels. We'll also have our mic set up for the podcast. And we'll have however people we have there. We just go in order. We say like you draft first, I draft second, Ethan drafts fourth, Cyrus drafts fifth, whoever drafts sixth, seventh, whatever. And we just we act like that team when it comes to that time. We can make trades, we can try to draft, and we see what our mock draft looks like compared to the actual one that happens. I think that'd be fun. That'd be great. That'd be fun. I think we're definitely gonna try to do something cool for the draft for you guys. Um, rather than just spiel me and Jared's drunkenness on a Tuesday, Wednesday night. Um, yeah, we got to stop doing these fucking podcasts on like a Wednesday night, man. I can't wake up for work hungover. Yeah. Um, it's going to be tomorrow, but. Hopefully, but yeah, it's hopefully it be, snows so I don't have to drive into the office. It's going to be a good draft. It's going to be fun. Me and Jared are trying to maybe work out details of going to the draft, but the draft is weird because Roger Goodell and the NFL suck. It's also the weekend before we go to Vegas from a bachelor party, so... Well, it is what it is. Um, We're fully invested in it, and the NFL is kind of our thing. We got UFC 235 this weekend. It's going to be awesome. Check it out if you... If you don't want to check it out, then, you know, whatever. If you want to come watch with us, please come watch with us. We'll gladly... Come watch it with us. That'd be awesome. Also... If you've listened this far in the podcast, you motherfucking slackers that listen to this, who I know have said that you wanted a t-shirt, did not submit an order for a fucking t-shirt. <laughs> we got one. Whoever is listening to this, I'm going to hunt you down, okay? <laughs> because I know you said you wanted a t-shirt. We put out an order for him. You motherfuckers order it, all right? It's, all, it's pinned on our Twitter. It's going to piss me off. Please, please, because we need to make a bulk order. And Lucas Rogers, you're an OG. We might just give you yours for free if we get enough. <laughs> Honestly. Um, he filled it out the day we put it out there. And all you other guys who I know listen, and I know you look at our tweets and you favorite our tweets, and you said you wanted a T-shirt, go on there and put it in a fucking order for Cyrus. a T-shirt. I know you have a house, but you can afford 17 bucks for a T-shirt. All you guys can afford $17 for a T-shirt. Rep us. I don't care. You know what I'm going to do? If you listen this far in the podcast, and whoever puts in a T-shirt order by Friday afternoon, I have three free stickers that I'll give away to you guys. So you heard it here. Yeah, for sure. Let's do that. But – uh. Yeah, we, that, I had it in the script to plug plug the T-shirts, and I think this thing's gone a little too long. So that was that was a good plug for the T-shirts. So if you listen this far and you listen to like like hearing us ramble, 
who clearly like us enough to buy a t-shirt. They're good. They're good t-shirts. They're they're dope. I wore mine last week. Um, so peace and love. We'll see you guys. I got a little special outro for you guys. We will see you guys next week and look for our lines. Order form for t-shirts. Peace. Redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.